What's going on, guys? I'm Enrique Pinheiro, and welcome back to the Hawk Show Talk Show, a Seattle Seahawks podcast. You can find me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. For today's episode, I got a guest. I have the amazing, the legendary Walter Jones, a nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, NFL 100th anniversary team, and of course, Hall of Famer and the best left, left tackle of all time. Hi, Walter. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for this. So uh, today I got a lot of questions here and we're going to go through okay. them and open for some great responses out of you. All right. All right. So uh, first, some generic stuff, just being about an offensive lineman, because I feel like uh, as fans, I don't have as much like of a, gri of a grip on offensive linemen. Uh, with right. you, like, you know, there's more chance for failure with offensive linemen. Uh, like, it's, like it, if you don't give up a sack, nobody talks about it. But if you give up a sack, people talk about it like that. Uh, what did you prioritize in a game? Like, how would you feel accomplished? Like having a game with no sacks or like getting a pancake or like uh, having like a nice block downfield or what's up? Uh, I think uh, as an offensive lineman, I think you go into the game and hopefully that you don't give up none of those. Uh, it's pretty tough in, 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 in the professional ranks to not do that. You know, most of the time you do, like you say, people don't know your name until you give up a sack or give up a holding call. But for me personally, uh, I try to go out there and stay consistent as possible. You know what I'm saying? If, it, if, if, if they need me to pass block all day long, that's what I have to do. And if they want me to run block, but as an offensive lineman, you always want to get the the block that's going to open up the running back and he runs for a touchdown or or whatever. So so as an offensive lineman, we always want to run block. We always want to come off the ball and hit guys and stuff. So I think you learn that at a very young uh, age of playing football of what's your role on a football team. So I think uh, for me personally, I um, I definitely try to play that at a very high level. Yeah. Oh, my. Wow. Uh <laughs> And with those, uh, like being an offensive lineman in those moments, what would you say is like your lowest moment? Like it could be a certain play or a certain anything and then a highest moment, oh. like for you. Oh man, I, I would say probably my highest moments, probably getting drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. That's probably my highest moment. Uh, just being able to put, uh, get paid for doing something that you love and you was able to make a lot of money and being able to uh, change your family life, change your life. So I, I would say that's the highest. I said the lowest, probably uh, losing in a Super Bowl, maybe. Um, that was tough, I think, because, uh, you you know, you was part of a team that was the first team to, to ever get this team to Seattle Seahawks to a Super Bowl and to not finish it and win it all. Uh, that was tough. So I would say that's the low. Uh, maybe another low, probably um, getting injured. Um, being able not to be able to go out and help your team play. So there's are like two lows that I think as players you have to deal with, you know, uh, playing this game. Yeah, Super Bowl, that Super Bowl loss was a tough one. And then about you getting drafted, by the way, I, I love your FSU background. Uh, how crazy <laughs> is that to go from, from Bama to then Florida and then get drafted all the way and go up to Washington? What was that that transition like for you? You know what, I think the, the, the transition to just uh, leaving and playing football was pretty easy. You know, uh, leaving a, a small rural town in Alabama and then going to Florida State, I think that helped me out when I got here to Seattle because I understood that uh, I can focus on football and then have to worry about family and friends, so like that. So that definitely made it easy. I think the number one thing that was different from coming from college to the pros was that you have to become an adult pretty fast. Uh, you're in college and people take care of you, making sure everything is taken care of. Then all of a sudden 
you know, you're playing football, but then you have to start doing adult things, taking care of your bills, making sure you got food in the house. So I think from that standpoint, just becoming an adult in the professional ranks, I think you understand how to play football. You never lose that. But from a standpoint of where now you have to take care of your responsibility outside of football. So I think that's probably sometimes it's the toughest challenge when you, you get drafted in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of that. Like going from college to NFL is so big, such and even in life, like separate from football, just growing as an adult. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, for your entire career, it could be like the NFC Championship or what was your favorite game overall? Oh man, I, like you said, I think uh, maybe my first game I ever played in was was, was special because I was able to play. But like you said, I think the NFC Championship game. I think uh, for for players, you play this game for one reason, and that's to I guess to to make money. But still, you want to be able to do the things to help your team win. So for us to be able to to have an NFC Championship game in Seattle and to win it to get to a, the first ever Super Bowl was pretty amazing. So I'll have to say that NFC Championship game just to be a part of that, just to be a part of something where you see it on TV, you see teams do it all the time. So to be able to say that you was able to be part of a, a, a conference championship game and to win it to to get to a Super Bowl was pretty amazing. Yes, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. It's so awesome. Yeah. And and you guys, again, you said it were the first ones to do it. It's such a landmark for Seattle. Mm -hmm. And then you, obviously, my opinion, the best left tackle ever. It's just a crazy resume. I have it Thank here, you. 180 games, only 23 sacks allowed, and nine holdings. And I, I was thinking about that, put that in perspective. Was it, like, such a big deal for you when you would either hold or give up a sack? Or, like, would it, like, stick with you? <laughs> uh, I think it does. I think as you play the game for so long, I think when you're younger, when you get in the league, you, you think about it more. But I think once you become a uh, – a veteran, a student of the game, you understand that it happens. You don't want it to happen. I think as as llamas, you don't want that. You want me personally, I go into the game and I want the guy to have zero stats across the sheet. You know, like when you get on the bus after the game, the PR guys come up with these stats sheets or stuff that will happen in the game. And, you know, for offensive llamas, that's really not no stats for us. So we have to look at what the quarterback does and what the running back does. So for me personally, I, I used to watch the defensive guys. They always look and see if they got a sack or they got a tackle. I'm in a tackle for law. But then the guy that you're going against, if you look at his stats and his stats are zero across the board, that's what you want him to feel when he get on the bus. No matter how hard he played, if you don't have any stats, he really you really can't determine on how he played the game. So for me personally, that's kind of how I went into the game. I wanted that guy that I'm going against. When he look at that, that stat line, his stat line on the bus going home or wherever he's at, he's going to feel like, man, I didn't do anything to help this team today. So that's kind of what's my goal going into every game to make sure that that, that guy didn't have any stats when he got on the bus to look at that, that sheet. And then I got two questions kind of based off that. First, are there any sacks that like you wish you could have back like that, like a specific one, maybe like a, a big play or something? And you know what? You have so many sacks. I think you can remember, you know, I, I got beat by Bruce Smith. I wish I could get that back because he kind of he kind of played me throughout the game, kind of set me up. So I wish I could get that back. But then I think Bruce Smith helped me to become a, a, a very uh, uh, student of the game throughout the game. You know, a lot of times we watch film all week and then when we get in the game, we really don't think about things. But I think for him, he kind of he definitely helped me for the point of, you know, what a guy's going to try to do to beat me throughout the game. So for me personally, I got pretty good at 
kind of understanding what guys wanted to do and then what what they would do to me in the third quarter or the fourth quarter. So I, I would say, Bruce, you know, you had games where, you know, I gave up a sack one time. We was, we was going down the drive to win the game, I think, against Arizona one year. And I got beat for a sack. So, you know, you have those games where you think about that stuff. But, you know, it's part of the game and you have to have a, a, a very quick forgiveness and, and continue to keep playing football. Yeah, and it's so crazy to hear you talk about Bruce Smith, uh, just like you were out there with him because, and you're right, you Hall of Fame players, like level of talents, you're helping each other grow, and that's excellent. Uh, were there any players, it could be Bruce Smith, maybe like DeMarcus Ware, some pass rusher from that time period, where you remember like going into it, you were kind of excited to go up against him? Um, Not really. You know what? I was excited about playing the game, so I never had like that, oh, I got to go against this guy. You know, my goal was to go out there and try to, uh, block this guy throughout the game. I never put whoever I was going against, you know, every guy that played this game was um, a professional where they have to um, play this game and know how to play it. So I, I I put respect on everybody I went against. So it never was that moment where I felt like, oh my God, this is a game. So I just wanted to be consistent every time I step, my, step on the football field. No, I like that mentality. Just it's your opponent. You got to deal with them. Everyone's oh. equal. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and kind of related to that, I know you said that in the past you didn't think of any players like that, but is there any player today that you would just love to get, like assuming you were in your prime, love to go against, love to try and maybe an Aaron Donald, a, a TJ? Yeah, uh, man, you know what? I don't I don't think any guy think like that. I don't I don't never look at it and say, man, I wish, you know, I think I leave that up to the fa fans and friends to say stuff like that. I never look at it and say, man, I wish I would have went against him because you don't want to go against a guy that you're saying that's dominating the league, that's – running all over people. So I don't want to deal with that fire. You're not saying I'm afraid of it, but you know, you deal with what you deal with. I don't never sit there and say, man, I wish I could go against Aaron Donalds or, or go against JJ Watt. No, I don't think that, you know, I, I give respect or respect to do these guys are doing what they need to do in this league. So playing at a very high level, but I never look at it like, man, I wish I could have went against them. Never, you know, you never, you, you like they say, you don't wish that on nobody. So I don't sit around and say, man, I wish I could have went against those guys. Uh, and then this will be a last question about players on the other side of the ball on offense. Is there, I don't know if you like pay attention that much to the offensive line. I assume you do, but, uh, is there any offensive line that either kind of reminds you of yourself or that you <laughs> just like watching grow? You know what? I, I enjoy watching the game for what it is as a fan. So I don't try to critique guys. You know, I'm always, I'm, a, I'm an open book. Uh, I have, I have talked to guys, uh, multiple offensive linemen where they ask questions or they want me to look at their film. And I'm always there for that. You know, I always tell people, uh, I can't take this knowledge with me, but I'm not going to chase you to give it to you. If you want it, I'll give you what I know, what I've learned since I played this game for so long. But uh, I just don't watch it. You know, I watch, you know, I watch the, the veteran guys a lot. But for me personally, I just watch the game to see how it's going and, and who ain't getting scored on. So I don't ever look at it like, man, that offensive line right there is, you know, maybe I need to start looking at offensive line. But, I really don't. You know, I look for, you know, I, I, I question offensive linemen if something happened throughout the game, but I don't sit there and try to critique those guys and try to figure out who's the best and who's doing that. I just don't do it. I understand. That's good. That's good. Uh, back to you. I see on your hat. Why'd you, why'd you go with number 71? Is there any meaning? <laughs> uh, I thought it looked good as a uh, left tackle. That was my only reason I, I was, uh, 
when I was in high school, I had 80. I was a tight end in high school, so that didn't have no remblance. And then when I got to junior college, I had number 71 again. I just thought, you know, at that time, I was th- when, I, when, I, when I got introduced to football, uh, it was told to me that if you played the left side, you wear odd numbers. If you played the right side, you wear even numbers. So that's how, how it was always set up to me when I was playing. So when I started really getting good at it, I started just looking at numbers and I'm thinking, like, what would be a, a nice uh, left tackle number? Uh, and 71 was my number. And I felt like uh, every, and now every time I see a 71, I think about me or something like that. But I think, I think uh, the coolest cat I ever saw wear the 71 was probably Tony Maselli. The way that, you know, he, he wore his jersey, the way he kept it where guys couldn't grab it or nothing like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. So that's no, that's no rhyme or reason. I just think it's a dope number for a left tackle 71. So any tackles out there wearing 71 or don't or want a number, I think 71 is probably the dopest left tackle number out there. And you just brought up Tony Vaselli and it made me think of like other big left tackles like Orlando Pace, uh, Willie Rofe. Uh, I know you were a high draft pick, like sixth overall, but I assume that early in your career, you kind of weren't as big of a name because you're an offensive lineman. Like we talked about, they don't mm-hmm. get as much credit. But then through the years, uh, you paved the way for like Ricky Waters and Sean Alexander. And you got to that kind of celebrity status. Like now everyone in Washington knows your name. How like, is it so special to you that you kind of, you know, you elevated like that, like everyone, I don't know, you really grew and you're so, is it cool to be that like famous around Washington now? I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, famous. I think it's just, you, you did it the right way. I think the cool thing about it is when you have people come up to you and say, I started watching office alignment just because of you, uh, my dad, you to come to the game and watch just you play the game. So for me personally, I think that's the cool thing to hear when people say that. But, you know, I think for me now, personally, I just try to get people to know my personality, get a chance to know me. Uh, a lot of time, you know, you play the game, you don't interact with fans and stuff like this. And then that's while I do, you know, I get a lot of requests to do podcasts now and I enjoy it. I think it's it's pretty awesome for especially someone young like you that that's inspiring to want to do this. And, you know, you don't, you know, you probably ask tons and tons of people and then you just got to, you know, once you ask and you see, you have to be, you know, a lot of times you, all you have to do is ask, you know, sometimes, you know, I think, uh, I think as young kids, I, I try to explain it. I try to teach my kids is you can't, you, you, you never know unless you ask. Um, and it's okay to, for someone to say no, it's okay. You know, you're talking to someone on a social network. It's okay if somebody don't respond because the game is so crazy, but I enjoy doing this stuff uh, because it shows me that people are, are finding their niche or finding what they love to do. So anytime you get a chance to get on here and talk to the young people that are expiring to be something, to do something great, you know, I'm all for it. I don't yes. know if I even answered your question. I don't know. Did, no, no. did I answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> you're talking about like, I don't know, you kind of explained how you're using your platform and I, I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And then I don't know if you know, this kind of related to that, but I was reading of uh, last night on you and I saw that the day you retired, uh, the at the time, the governor of Washington made it uh, not national, but only in the state of Washington, like Walter Jones Day on April 30th. Did you know about that? And is that still? A thing? Yeah, I do that. I got, I got that as soon as I retired. And that's pretty cool. You know, a lot of people ask me, what do I do? I said, honestly, I don't know unless somebody tells me I don't do nothing special. There's no key that I can own the town, you know, something like that. But I think it's a pretty cool. Uh, it just it shows you that, like you said earlier, a lot of people knows you know what you did on the football field. So it's one of those um respect things where they respect good and uh, you did it the right way walt so that's pretty awesome to 
to be able to have that day and people still recognize it and, and let me know when that day is. Yes, it's it's just uh, speaks more about like you're still connected to to Seattle and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Like you raise a 12th man flag at the the seven and nine game, the uh, the Beastquake game. Mm -hmm. uh, you were an honorary captain at the at Super Bowl Forty Eight. Like you were there uh, to, with us when we won the uh, the first Super Bowl, which is a big thing. Uh, so you're so involved in Seattle, obviously. And I also big fan of the fifth quarter. I always watch that. Uh, you and, and Paul you. Sylvie and John Clayton. Would you ever consider maybe joining uh, Seattle, like maybe an offensive line coach, maybe some sort of coach, uh, just trying to like get, get back involved or anything like that? Uh, you know what? I, I never have pursued that. You know, you hear people say it all the time, but, you know, I tell people all the time, I played the game, uh, I didn't coach the game. So I think you have to have that niche to want to coach. Right now, I'm not, I don't have that itch to coach kids or catch coach anybody. I think it's a, it's all about – still the same way you play the game. You still have to come in there and earn your respect. So I don't know if I want to go in there. You know, I think what I did on the football field, yes, that's gained you a little respect. But still, you have to take your hat off to coaches to be able to take five different types of uh, personality and make them work as one. That takes a lot of work. So, you know, I've done a little football stuff like when my son was playing little league, you know, football. But – uh, but it, it was hard for me because, you know, you expect for people to be this way. So coaching is very hard because you got to be able to, you almost have to almost be able to lower your standards until you find out what kind of kids you have or what kind of players you have. So I just haven't had that itch to want to do that just yet. And then about uh, like Seattle, because like you're not gonna let's say you're not gonna coach, but you still, you pay attention, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, isn't it kind of strange to see like, when you were there, uh, how much how much value they how much they value the offensive line with like you and Steve Hutchinson, mm -hmm. and now today there's like a complete culture shift, kind of like th this offseason we made some offensive line moves and that's great, but you know what I mean? We're like we don't put it nearly as much effort into the offensive line. Do you like think that's kind of weird or anything? Uh, I don't know if it's weird. I think it's just part of. I think a lot of times you know you say that. Uh... Uh, I tell I tell I tell Hutch all the time. I said like you know we set the standard for how offensive line will play. So I think a lot of times we 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 makes it tough for the next group of guys to come through because now like I said people say I come to the game now people watch the game different. You know you can even watch the game now and be like okay that's bad offensive line play. You know you know what is good offensive line play. You know like you say before you know even though you was good but still you didn't go to a game to watch the offensive line. You know, now, you know, you can go to a game and you can break down and say, okay, I know that's not a, that's not a good offensive line play. So I think from that standpoint, I think if we have made the, the, the offensive unit, the offensive line unit, people watch it more, people conversate about it more. So I think from that standpoint, I think it's good, but I think sometimes you mess it up for guys that's trying to figure out how to still play this game because sometimes people put so much pressure or standard of what they should be or who they thinking that our offensive alignment should be instead of just letting these guys learn how to play together, you know, try to keep, I think the cool thing about offensive alignment, if you put a squad together, you got to try your best to at least keep them together for four to five years where you're really going to see the the progression of offensive alignment. If you can keep all those guys together. Yes, exactly. If you can build that chemistry, I think yeah. you can really, uh, you know, help the offensive alignment evolve. And you kind of said it, it's that the problem, the main problem with the offensive line is that you and Hutch and I don't know if it was at the same time, but like Kevin Mawai, you got yeah. our standards so high. Like Seattle fans were spoiled with like 
amazing O-line play for so long that when we came back down to earth, it was just probably a little bit of a shocker for some fans. Definitely, you know, uh, I think when I retired and they brought another offensive line, I think it, you know, not saying he wasn't a good offensive line. I think the the standard was set so high, like you compare him to what you watched before and you can't do that. And sometimes that's very hard. You know, you see it at every sport where some guy was great. Now you got to decide, was well, he greater than this guy? So the standard, you set the standard. And now sometimes, like you say, you have to kind of take yourself out of that and go back to reality and say, this is a learning process. And sometimes, uh, you just don't give guys the benefit of the doubt to kind of figure things out. Those, you know, I tell, I, I said this league now is like a microwave. We want it now. We don't want to see the, you know, what, what's the guy from the 76 or what they said, the trust the process. We don't care about the process anymore. We want to get them on the field. Let's win the Super Bowl. So I think yeah, it's just the way that's the way the league is right now. That's true. I, I like that point of view. You're right. Uh, I was just going to ask you what's going on in your life today, but it sounds like mainly you're, you're just helping uh, like kind of small businesses uh, kind of grow like this or like helping out y uh, young kids and then also a family man. So that's awesome. Is there anything else you'd want to share about like uh, your life post football? Uh, you know what? I, you know, right now I'm just uh, enjoying the time I get a chance to be with my family, my kids and stuff. I have a twin boy and girl that's 21 years old. So really enjoying that. I'm working on my, you know, I'm working on my clothes brand. I, I try to promote it as much as I can, my best to ever do it. So I've been doing that now for the last, what, five years. So that's been great for me because it gave me a chance to, you know, a lot of times like when you leave the game, it's kind of hard to find your niche or find your purpose. Cause you know, you've been playing football since you probably was 12 years old. So for me personally, I never tried to chase that. So when I knew when the game's over, I didn't have an issue with, okay, I'm okay with sitting at home. I'm okay with, I, I, I did it when I was playing. So for me personally, but now I think the cool thing about me now, I do radio, I do TV. I think it's cool for people to get a chance to know me. You know, a lot of time with offensive line, we don't talk a lot. So for me personally right now, I think it's pretty cool for people to see me in the community. I call Seattle home. So and for me personally, I pick and choose what I want to do. And I think that's the cool blessing to have. I think uh, I try to teach my kids that I said, you prepare now for so, you know, it's going to be fun. If you if you you do all the steps to prepare, uh, save money, do what you need to do. And then when you get about 30, 35, now that's when you can enjoy life. So for me personally, I'm really enjoying life. I'm 10 years, almost 11 years removed from playing football. I'm in a great place. So, you know, so basically what I like, you asked me what I'm doing in my post career. I'm trying to just do as much as I can. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm into my brand, best to ever do it. So if anybody's out there, you're looking for some hoodies, some hats, some t-shirt, go check out my website, the best to ever do it, b2edi.com. Uh, it's some cool stuff. I'm working on some stuff for the spring right now. So that really, really give me a lot of energy to, to constantly keep trying to figure out how to, to improve this uh, product. So I think that gives me purpose every day to kind of always thinking about things the way to make this product even better. That's amazing because you're right, as a, as a football player of your caliber, of just any really professional football player, a sports player, you've dedicated nearly your entire life at that point to football. Mm -hmm. And then when it ends, you almost need to start fresh and, you know, uh, yeah, you said finding your niche and you did that. So that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, just wrapping it up are there any final like words of wisdom or anything you'd want to say to anyone out there like either trying to like enhance their craft or just uh get better at something or just like chase their goals and dreams 
Hey, I, you can you can take my my brand. My brand is the best to ever do it. I I try to instill in people to be the best version of yourself. Whatever you're doing, if this is what you love, be the best at it. If you're gonna you know treat your people the way you want to be treated, uh, whatever you do, anybody you get on here, you treat them, you give them the undivided attention. I tell people all the time, they don't, you know, you do these podcasts, you do it with so many people, and the number one thing. Not you say, I'm just saying like in general, like you say, a word of wisdom. Just just make sure when you do these, make sure that you give that person this undivided attention. Make that person feel like you're the only person I'm talking to right now. And I think you, it, it, it goes a long way for interviews. But I tell people all the time, be the best version of yourself. Not, you know, don't be something that you're not, you know. And then if you have any goals, uh, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. If that's something that you feel like that's what you want to do. Uh, look at all the avenues to get that done. So that's my word of wisdom. Just be the best version of yourself every time you wake up and you step yourself outside of, you know, whatever. When everybody sees you, you want them to be the best version of yourself. Thank you so much, Walter. It's, it's really cool to hear from you. Thank you. Awesome. Anyway, anyways, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Make sure you first follow Walter on Instagram and second, go check out best to ever do it, b2edi.com. Get some Walter Jones merch. He's the best to ever do it. Uh, right here in front of you. So yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. Walter, you want to say bye? Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Bye.